0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends.
1: Hey everybody, welcome. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your co-host Joe Lou and I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And if you're joining us here, we're in the beginning of our Lent season, and Lent is a period of time where where believers and seekers are coming together to practice uh, the tradition of fasting um, and in our uh, theme for this year is fasting for fullness and Dr. Sammy kicked us off with a message on relearning reliance on ABBA and you know this conversation is jam-packed with what ultimate reality truly is beyond the scope of our worlds and just how we can access that spiritual reality that is outside of us. Through spiritual discernment, Um, we go over a lot about how we can really discern the truth of what God is doing, um, make sense of if some of the things we're experiencing are from the Father, ourselves, or because of enemy influences as well. And so I found this conversation and this message really illuminating on, you know, just how we can really see reality and the truth for what it really is through spiritual discernment. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy.
0: Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. In
2: 1995, before her Harry Potter fame, J.K. Rowling was rejected by almost every major publisher in the United Kingdom. Publishers wondered, in a world dominated by Nintendo 64 and Sony PlayStation, if children would really be interested in a portman's version of Oliver Twist who is actually a wizard in disguise. Usually, attempting to make explicit the implicit, the invisible visible is not only an arduous task, but a hard sell. Plato reminds us in the Republic, in the allegory of the cave, that we are prisoners who are only freed from the cave when we come to understand that the painting on the wall is not reality, but mere shadows. However, Plato tells us in the Republic, in the narrative, that the other inmates were not even interested in leaving the cave. Or, in this sense, the prison, for they know not a better life. Why is that? Because there are no markets to invest in, careers to pursue, or restaurants to go to outside of the cave. Even if it's a prison, right? Emerging markets, relationships, the external environment is where humans dwell. It turns out that ultimate reality is a real drag and highly inconvenient if everybody is living in a world actually in shadows, even if it's a prison. And this is precisely why the Spirit calls and beckons us during the Lenten season to untether from the physical and material world and connect to God vertically and spiritually out of the cave toward the horizon. He calls us out of our normal environment, normal routine into the valley. So today the question I want to answer is why are we called during the Lenten season to untether from the material world as we do a couple of abnormal things as fast we declare our independence from things that are tethered to us things we might not even really are, are aware of and pick up a discipline to connect to the spirit connect to the father let's go to the text and learn how to untether
3: the world. Hi, today's scripture will be from the book of Matthews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Amen.
2: So in the beginning we asked the question, Why does the Spirit beckon us to untether from the material world during the Lenten season? Well, Taking highlight and an example from Jesus' own experience untethering from the city into the wilderness, the first lesson we learn is because our prosaic neuroses are only truly revealed when we withdraw from them. Otherwise, our neuroses would feel as an efficacious way of functioning when they are actually maladaptive behaviors in Disguise. And this is precisely why the text highlights that the spirit leads Jesus away from the city into the wilderness. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Not to Jerusalem, not to the major, any major city, but away from them. He was the Spirit was untethering Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus was fully human too and had to untether from the material and learn complete reliance on His Father. That's good news, right? I mean, no one automatically learns reliance on God when the truth is the prosaic neuroses in our life really all about us relying on ourselves to function even if it's dysfunctional even if there are cognitive distortions even if they're maladaptive behaviors that are harmful to the quality of life and loving others and ourselves in fact i know a lot about some of those prosaic neuroses in my own life and for those of you who are uh, pretty new to our community you'll pretty much and pretty soon find out my um, addiction to diet coke and I often say that the only thing I really have in common with Bill Gates and supermodels is diet coke but my addiction but I don't have a billion dollars or not skinny so that kind of sucks but anyways curing diet coke when we run out at home is definitely one of my neuroses and it's definitely prosaic because my preoccupation with this inconsequential carbonated drink, in the middle of dinner, I would just get up when I find out we, we don't have, instead of spending time with my family, my kids, my wife, you know, and talk about life. No, I say, I'll be back. And I'm literally walking out the door. It's an automatic thought. And, and this is how I know it's a distortion and a neurosis, definitely. And um, and I'm going out there, and in like Gollum and, and Smeagol and The Lord of the Rings, I'm I'm just like in the car. I must get it. My precious It's just you know, and it's kind of crazy. Something inconsequential, something so not significant preoccupies my whole being. <laughs> Don't judge me. And you know, you, you see. Sometimes the dysfunction seems normal. But, but I know this is funny, but that's what Lent is supposed to reveal. Some of these dysfunctions, these maladaptive thoughts and behaviors, these distortions, and we're overfunctioning in some ways, and it really zeroes in and illuminates our reliance on ourselves to get through rather than our reliance on the Father. That's why during the Lenten season, we untether. And that's when it's revealed. And and So here's a question. Is it possible that our neurosis stems from the fact that we learn to cope in a world apart from the Father? I pray that the Spirit will reveal to you today areas in your life where you are functioning apart from God. Could it be be the reason why there's so much stress and pressure in our lives? We are the heroes of our own journey. And I know I experienced this in my own life. Are you carrying burdens that you were never meant to carry? I pray the Spirit would reveal it to you right now. Those areas. beginning we asked the question why does the spirit lead us to untether from the material world during the lenten season well the second lesson we learned very critical in the beginning of matthew chapter 4 that matthew in the gospel highlights is because our spiritual lives won't make much sense until we realize we're actually at war not any war but a spiritual conflict. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, as you read up in the screen, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why the text explicitly says in verse 1, Jesus was not only led into the valley by the Spirit, But it says to be tempted and says a name by the devil, by the evil one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 1. The truth is still the truth even if it feels highly improbable. Or impractical or inconvenient. As lies are still lies even if they become fashionable. C.S. Lewis says, in mere Christianity, one of the best descriptions of this conflict. And until we understand we're at war, there'll be our spiritual lives for the most part will feel like a movie after we miss it or late for the first 30 minutes. A lot of times. Believers and unbelievers alike seeking God wonder why so much resistance takes place in their life. Why so much conflict with their spouse or friends? Or why this situation when you're trying to follow God, when you're trying to get closer to God? We're at war. What happens at war? The rules of engagement during war is that you're shot at. There's an enemy attacking you. And so this is what C.S.O. said. Enemy occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say, landed in disguise. And is calling us to take part in a great campaign campaign of sabotage. I think this is so important during the lengthy season to really pay attention to the conflict in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He doesn't just fast, he's not contemplative, he's not just in the wilderness meditating and untethering from the world for that own sake. It's not an end, fasting is not an end. No. Fast to gain spiritual power to discern the spiritual realities, the principalities, as Paul notes, there is what a graduation of power, territories. And for those Christians that never discern spiritual discernment, develop spiritual discernment, a lot of times you're going to take one step forward and three steps backwards, two steps forwards and four steps backwards. And it'll just feel like an impossible task. Where you come to a place of despair, there's a lack of power. My wife and I had to learn in the beginning of our ministry, <laughs> really the spiritual element that we're at war. It didn't really make sense because in the beginning of our marriage, we were to fight all the time right before we had to lead small group or we were going to a retreat. And it was crazy. It would happen over and over again, empirically through a pattern. And sometimes it was so bad that we were like, what's going on? And we couldn't really understand until we began to rebuke the enemy. Because the enemy comes and makes us divided and helps us fight ourselves. But Jesus tells us that a body divided, a kingdom divided, cannot stand. And my wife and I had to learn to discern and rebuke. And so, if during the Lenten season, one thing we should learn is spiritual authority over spiritual powers. If you and your spouse are, are continuing to get into conflicts, it might be emotive. I mean, my wife and I had to learn get through PMS. I mean, that's just biological. You can't even cast that out. I wish we could. <laughs> but you can't. So you have to discern... The material from the spiritual, but this is a season where we learn to diagnose and discern that there is evil and it is moving against us and plotting and scheming to push us back from the work of the kingdom and the growth and flourishing of our families and our lives. So, let me ask you a question. Right now in your life, what are some spiritual battles in your life or conflicts? that seem even natural that you simply reduce to emotive conflicts. Just issues that people have with each other. Just thoughts. Automatic thoughts that I struggle with. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to show you these areas and during Lent for you to take a far right now in Jesus' name and rebuke them. So I want to invite you right now to take authority over these conflicts, over these thoughts, over these divisions in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Break every scheme, every bondage right now for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and develop and learn spiritual discernment and power It will make a big difference in your life if you realize that you're being shot at and that you need to learn defense and offense in Jesus' name. So will you stand with me today as you lift your hands and let's pray before the Lord for that power to be revealed and the spiritual conflict to reveal itself and for us to realize that we're at war and we're called to fight in Jesus' name.
1: For me personally, I think I'm very much excited to have this conversation and really kick off the series uh, during the sun season with this topic of relearning reliance on Abba. Because the very essence I feel like for Lent, for me, has been the spirit of attempting and trying to give something up for God to make space for what he is doing and to rely on God. But I think what's really refreshing and nice about this sermon series and uh, this conversation about relearning reliance on Abba is that, you know, oftentimes it's quite easy to miss that, you know, I am actively trying to make space for God and learn how to rely on because it's a ongoing journey and you never really stop learning on what it means. or You never stop learning about how to rely on the father. And so, you know, I felt like this was a, a big sermon with a lot to unpack regarding spiritual discernment, uh, the ultimate reality of a spiritual world at war, um, and just like how we as believers fit into that during the sun season and what kind of um, powerful things God is doing through that. So um, I'm happy to be here with Pastor Lydia uh, to discuss a thorough conversation about spiritual discernment. And for you, Pastor Lydia, I wanted to kind of start... Uh, backwards almost from the sermon just kind of talking about uh, ultimate reality first and you know leading into sort of our own diagnoses and understanding the symptoms of our prosaic neuroses and maladaptive behaviors that Dr. Sammy was talking about because I think one of the things that a lot of believers and myself especially uh, find themselves is that like there is sort of this ignorance or like not a lacking of an awareness of, a spiritual world. You know, I think we go about our day, um, with our concerns, our worries, uh, our anxiety inducing, um, things that are in our material world that sort of prevents us from really seeing reality for what it is, you know, just really seeing the truth behind, like between the lines of our lives. And so I guess I kind of wanted to start by asking you questions first about, uh, our spiritual world that is at war in as believers in enemy occupied territory. And, um, you know, what that really means for us believers, because I think a lot of times we get so caught up in just our own lives. That it's sometimes hard to see what spiritual reality really is. So I, I kind of wanted to open the floor up with that conversation.
0: Yeah. Um, well, to discern, to spiritually discern means to know um, between three things you know is what I'm experiencing something that God is speaking to me or is it something that I personally as a human being am, um it am feeling is it something that I ate is it the lack of caffeine <laughs> is it the excessive caffeine um, or maybe I don't know certain things that I ate that I shouldn't have eaten Um, or the enemy, the evil one himself. Um, Is he really attacking? And if so, why? And what is he really trying to accomplish by these things that I'm experiencing? And those experiences come through, you know, sometimes moods, feelings, impressions, um, actual things that you you and I might both be able to see um, in the same room. Um, Mm. So it's not always just internal, but sometimes it's external. It's, it manifests. Um, So ultimate reality is living in a world where not only do you exist as a human being, but God exists and the evil one also exists. And, um, And therefore, because, well, because God has a plan um, for his children and um, Mm -hmm. lost and found to find him and also to know him more um, and to follow him. And because this past is worth fighting for and to search for there, um, there is an enemy that is always working to make that as ambiguous as possible and to the Mm -hmm. point of non-existence. And which is also the reason why people ha- take a very long time to um, come to Christ. Um, people, you know, uh, we say believers only, but actually non-believers also go through warfare when they're trying to seek who God is. They will, um, they- and they will even identify with warfare. Um, at- as they're being taught that something is not right because they feel like they're trying to take, you know, one step forward, but they keep going two steps back and feel right. discouraged in their seeking. And it's kind of what we feel as believers as well. We want to take one step forward, but we take two steps back. And so mm. it's ultimate reality is a reality that all of these things exist. Mm. <laughs> not wow. only what we wanted to exist, but that it exists fully awake.
1: Right. And I guess that's like where Dr. Sammy was saying in the beginning of this message that it is sort of like an inconvenience to open ourselves up to ultimate reality because of, I guess it's really hard to understand where the source of some of the feelings we might be having, um, the burdens and the overwhelming, um, like things that occupy our lives like we the thoughts that accompany them maybe they're like negative emotions or you know a lot of self-criticism like these kinds of things generally are just boiled down to like moods or feelings like kind of you're describing but I guess it's like hard for us to really see that there's a much bigger bigger playing field than our our lives you know or like or like the things that preoccupy our time and resources and such like that. And so um, I guess like one of the burning questions I have then is sort of like, how do we, how do we even begin to make sense of what is coming from where, like, like that we are really hearing from God, or is this just me? Or am I under, under attack at the moment? Like is, is the enemy at play? Cause I think a lot of the times it's easy to kind of dismiss the fact that there is an enemy uh, you know prince of darkness on the other side that we're actively combating with because it doesn't seem that way just like you were saying how it's like ambiguous or it's like purposefully ambiguous so that we don't really access the greater reality that we reside in
0: yeah you know i think there are different levels of that um that i can speak of i guess um i think the very plain level is the level where the enemy does not want to be noticed. And C.S. Lewis talks about that um, in many of his books. But specifically in Scrooge Letters, he talks about mm. how all he had to do is incept a thought that the character, that he was hungry. And as soon as the thought about thinking about God, he was a non-Christian, right? As soon as mm. he thought about God, the enemy incepted the thought. Like It's like he had an assignment to incept a thought, thought, I am hungry, and the man would get up and go to lunch, and he would do this every single day. So there's that level of, oh, it's unnoticed, so he could do this all day. Like, mm. The enemy could do this all day and you know, all of someone's life so that they will never, ever get to the point where they realize that what they're hungry for is not lunch, but is the ultimate reality, right? Mm. So there's that level. And then there's the level where you are trying to pursue something that you know is true, and what the Bible says is true. You're trying to live a, a life that's worthy of the gospel, right? And mm. every time you try your best and your hardest, it just there seems to be things or happenings or internally um, or people that come to discourage you, so that you give up. And I would mm. I would say that's not all emotional because the fight is so worthy. Um, that fight to really overcome is worthy. The enemy will come and attack in those times. Um, and then there are things where, you know, it's like, what is that show? It was like a kid's co- show called uh, Based on a Book. Series of Unfortunate Events.
1: Uh, yeah, let me sneak it.
0: Yeah, so basically all these things happen. You're just like, wow, that really, I don't know if it's okay to say sucks, but like, wow, that sucks, you know? <laughs> like, wow, that's horrible. That's really unfortunate. Like the word unfortunate is just so unfortunate, you know? And yeah. it's like, why does that happen? And then you could go, well, it's this, this, that. Well, is mm. it? Mm. Um. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that there are explanations for things there, you know, things happen that we might not be aware of why they happen. And also it's not all spiritual, but that's why a discernment exists, right. To know what is going on so that we will know exactly what to do.
1: Mm. Gotcha. I mean, I think that totally, I mean, makes sense because at the end of the day, if we are trying to parse the information and like, really know the truth of what god is doing behind the scenes of of course there's going to be like certain explanations or reasons why things happen and so it's is like the takeaway for believers and non-believers that are actively trying to pursue god is is to consider the fact that we are in a in a spiritual world right with full of spiritual activity of what god is doing what the enemy is doing and um you know I guess, attempt or try to tune into that um, so that perhaps we can start to see what ultimate reality truly looks like is is my question. I guess because, like, it's sort of hard to for me to also, like, think about the sources of some of our emotions or why certain things are happening, just like you were describing with unfortunate things or, like, misfortune or like difficult circumstances it's almost kind of hard to see outside of that those bounds right so i guess i was also just kind of asking like how do we begin to even start to try and discern the information that we receive from our emotions or contexts and such like that
0: yeah you know and there's a nuanced layer to it um Enemy has right to it's to sin, right? Like sinful areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we are born again and we have been purchased um, by the blood of Christ. But if there's willful sin, or sometimes even unknown sin, or I would say unconfessed sin, right? Things mm-hmm. that have not been exposed, things that have not uh, been understood even as sin or things that have kind of willfully been swept under the rug and um, no one knows about except you. Um, so when there's sin, it's kind of like, um, you know, we speak of this not just in the church, but in the church overall um, of disillustration a lot, but you you get pests if um, there's garbage or mm. if, if they have food to eat that you haven't cleaned up, they will come. And it's kind of like that. The enemy has a right to that space that hasn't been cleaned up, per se, right? Or exposed Mm -hmm. or dealt with. So um, there is that layer. It's not just like, oh, enemy is doing this. Well, then let's rebuke it. Well, it gets tricky. Sometimes enemy will attack because he knows he has the right. It's kind of like in Chronicles of Narnia, Edmund, um, he brought the judgment on all the Narnians and, you know, on Christ himself, like uh, Aslan himself. Well, Aslan had to actually, you know, die in his place because the queen had the right of his, uh, Edmund's death, right? And so we see that Aslan dies in his place, right? But in the same way, the queen knows the evil one portrayed as the queen knows that because Edmund betrayed his family, because of sin, because of betrayal, that she had a right to him. And so that itself, I think, has to be understood too in this conversation that there is that layer of Christ has um, laid his life, life down on the cross and has died in our place. But there is a war of the enemy constantly accusing the believer to not live the life of direction in christ the life and the path of christ um a holy life um so the enemy will fight and he she i mean the enemy will try to use anything that he he could to Hmm. keep us in that place rightfully so when we talk about well how do we discern let's say some you know someone is struggling with Just a lot of discouragement and and layers of, I guess, just a lot of things that are just coming up. Um, I'll just leave it at that, right? Like, not to describe mm. it because every situation is very specific. But the question, without it being offensive, is to really begin to expose, like, what's really going on how did this start Mm. happening what was really the window or the door for this to happen or was there a window or door for this to happen um is this really because you're trying to pursue a certain direction or is there are there things that need to be dealt with along the way so that there's no duality that we're working with you know what i mean so Mm. there is that layer where the enemy has right and and he will fight so that it becomes hazy and often people try to give up as a result
1: Mm. let's see well it it certainly seems like the self-examination process is, is is sort of like the start of where we can begin to discern because we are trying to trace back almost right like looking maybe maybe if in the present that we're not entirely sure why you know certain things are happening again like also kind of speaking in generalities because every situation is specific like you said but like i guess like to begin to discern is to look at ourselves thoroughly to see if there's things that need to be taken care of to make space for what god is ultimately doing and it's like if we don't really have that we can just kind of get swept away and lost in whatever preoccupations we've are we were already engaged in and it, it, it's almost like it the the best analogy that I could think of is it's like kind of being addicted to junk food kind of right <laughs> it's like unless we look at ourselves and are like I can't be eating uh you know candy all the time anymore it's like then we can even begin to give up that candy because we know it's not good for us or something like that
0: Hmm. yeah it's it really comes with that awareness and I guess acknowledging what's good what's bad yes
1: mm-hmm. gotcha I see um is that is that why during this Lenten season like untethering from the material world is sort of that avenue or that really intentional means to do that because like I think you know from our experience with Lent over the years it has been about Um, fasting, you know, making space for what God is doing and, you know, learning to rely on God, um, I guess, especially in the, in in place, not that God is a substitute, but, you know, kind of in this period of time, in place of the things that we normally rely on, quote, unquote, um, is, is Lent sort of the avenue by which we are able to start, I guess, this is this is super general, but like to discern, right? Like like how mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess how does Lent serve as a vehicle for our discernment? Um, you know, you know, like for believers.
0: Yeah, I think um, if you think about the earlier years of when like people first came to Christ, um, and we introduced Lent several years back. Um, It would be like physical things, you know, like to ask people to fast things that are more, um, I guess, internal would be a little bit more complex, right? So you fast Hmm. material things. I mean, not to say that this is still a practice all over the world among mature Christians, but kind of speaking in the context of a world where everything is so accessible, like, what do you fast? We live in a very privileged world so what should we give up should we give up Mm -hmm. caffeine should we give up espresso and not regular coffee like should we (laughs) give up soda like there's so many things right so we have a challenge um, to even identify what exactly do we need to give up to experience fullness that christ really has promised us so yeah, it's it started off with things like real tangible material things, you know, like mm-hmm. Doc would talk about like Diet Coke, for example, or some people would give up chocolate um, at, or I don't know, caffeine was a common one or meat. And, and it's almost and it, there is a hunger that comes because you're depriving yourself of it for something else. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's. Still on a level of you feel the absence and it's symbolic that you're turning to god not that god really needed those things from you he's not really asking from you for you to give Mm -hmm. up coffee or meat you know those things are not harmful to us right Mm -hmm. but as you learn to kind of um uh act in the discipline or practice the discipline of giving something up and making space. Now you're beginning to understand, okay, I'm making space for, for something. It's not just about make giving something up so that I, I could say I did that for God. Now you're realizing that there is a depth of relationship with Christ that can be understood through the fasting. So now we're kind of going into the nuance of, okay, well, that coffee Why did you give up that coffee? Well, because I really need it in the morning. I really need it when I'm Mm. tired. Okay, but why? Well, I feel like I'm more productive when I drink coffee. So I need it with me so that I. Well, why do you feel productive? Why do you need to be so productive? Well, it gets deeper, right? Well, I feel productive. And I feel better about myself. And I know that I could be on top of it and not Mm. fall behind. And now it gets deeper. And not saying that every productivity is a bad thing, but there are these deeper issues, dysfunctionalities that we live with, that until we're actually giving them up or fasting them, we don't realize how much we rely on those things. So... Mm. At this point, by actually giving up the things in this material world, not necessarily tangible, but connected to the material world, such as the habit of sulking or the habit of, I don't know, um, self wallowing self-pity, or the habit of complaining, a lot of people have been giving those things up and picking up a discipline because... Um, they're realizing okay, it's a lot deeper than that cup of coffee. It's a lot deeper than that food or right. why I feel what I feel. So that's kind of like where things are right now, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah, I could totally I could totally agree with that. I, I actually really love that about the Lens season because it sort of exposes you to these certain attachments that you might have to things that whether tangible or not, it's sort of like, for me, I think the best way for me to explain um, this just personally, because that's the only thing I could rely on as far as experiences is that like, you know, it sort of exposes that like there are certain attachments that we have to um, maintain like control or like some, some kind of aspect of that. And like, I, I really think this message hit the nail on the head in regards to like how that just sort of builds our own self-reliance, right? Like it's not necessarily like the coffee per se or the chocolate and such like that, but those deeper underlying root issues are sort of manifesting in things that we hold on to in the material worlds um,
4: mm-hmm.
1: as sort of a result of our like neuroses and um, I guess like distorted ways by which we cope with ourselves ultimately. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it just kind of, before we know it and if we don't like ever stop this train it just kind of keeps going and like then there isn't a place to i guess like let god board the train right Mm all right (laughs) (laughs) sorry i I was sorry i was just like a that was a thought train and i was uh it was leading to this uh sort of next question in in that like you, you know i guess like how 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 do we like discern material from spiritual as well? You know, because I feel like, as you said, this is like very, this can be very nuanced as far as length goes for the individual. And it's sort of like, I guess, how do we like identify that the, these material attachments lead to a more spiritual, Um, I guess, like ground level, if that makes any sense. I, I guess like, how do we like begin to, i guess go through our lives and what those material things are so that we can distinguish them from a spiritual reality.
0: Yeah, um well, we're kind of at 11 days into lent season, right? And mm. I'm thinking people have kind of thought through what they want to give up, right? And mm. So it definitely takes a thoughtful process, right? You actually Mm. do need to kind of sit down and think through it. um, And you'll be reminded of patterns in life or Mm. um, just general things to specific things. I think that reflection definitely helps that deciphering process. Also Mm. praying about and asking the Lord like what those things may be. Um, some of it, some of the things that might come up in reflection might not be convenient to us and we might reject that, right? Or people mm-hmm. may have rejected it and might say, Well, I want to fast something else, then give me options. <laughs> I don't know. I could see that happening. Mm, yeah. um, but you come to a place where you realize through the patterns and through um, what God is trying to reveal that these are the things that need to be let go through the season, specifically Mm. throughout the season. So I think definitely a thoughtful process, a reflective Mm. process. Mm. I think it's like anything else, you know, you have to want to go deeper with Christ. I think there has to be a hunger um, to ingest Mm. something or to invest into something that is not of this world. Um, there has to be a, a need that's identified and acknowledged that um, says, you know what? I need this. I need more of Christ. I need fullness in Christ. I mm-hmm. am hungry. So I think um, kind of separating from the things kind of fasting is often looked at as giving up food, right? Something of yeah. that source. Like people don't even really... Um, yeah, like fasting is just really generally like on a very plain level about food. I think there has to be a hunger that's realized that you are hungry and it can't be filled by food in the material world. So I think reflection or any of that really comes from that place of wanting something. You know, it's a lot like... Um, Someone has to want help to receive help
4: Mm, in their healthy
0: state, or someone has to want, you know, counseling or therapy to want to get better. Um, Mm. Without that self consent of wanting or that, you know, or that desire to be better, I think, I don't know, I think it's just really important to you know, recognize that need first. So the reflection really is about recognizing that need. And mm. from that need, apart from Christ, how am I thriving or how am I, how do I think that I'm going to thrive apart from Christ? And have, how have I failed? Well, what are those areas that I live apart from Christ is really where the dysfunction lies.
1: Mm.
0: So it's not, what am I bad at? And how do, how do I get better at it? through this season of self-help it's not that the lenten season is really asking the question reflectively softly and prayerfully where are the areas where i live apart from god intentionally and unintentionally and, and through that reflection coming to that place where you let go of that thing that replaces him
4: mm.
1: Mm. yeah I, I could totally see it i guess like with that i have this question about you know how do we, I, I like how Dr. Sammy said, it was, usually, it was kind of like diagnosing um, that, hung, that, I guess, like that, I guess, attachment to the material world and like identifying it so that we can see that, that like, those are not the things that we really need, but what we really want and desire is relationship with God. And I think like, sort of the question is like, How do we identify that we are misplacing this desire for other things around us um, in in place of God in our lives? Because I think as much as Lent is an annual tradition where, you know, it's a very intentional and active uh, way by which we can like try to make that space and actively pursue that every day. It's sort of like we we can forget that, you know, we're really trying to grow independence grow in space dependence on god yeah. um, and and you know i guess draw power and life from that and so i guess like h- how do we differentiate w- the the real source of this hunger in that case
0: yeah you know i think it's you know faith comes through hearing preaching in the same way mm. it has to be sowed, you know it doesn't just happen in a vacuum I think what helps is when people ask one another what are you fasting and why mm. I think it's more of a communal thing because I mean to think that oh well it's Lent so I'm gonna do this all on my own with no one's help and um no reflective help whatsoever <laughs> yeah. well I think that we're lying to ourselves because Lenten season is more of a it's a lot bigger than us in that the whole church of the world that believes in Christ and follows him follows a certain calendar or liturgical calendar. It's already communal beyond the community or the context that you may be in. So you don't just come up with your own reflection and answers, but it's discernment is also within a community. And so Asking each other the questions, what are you fasting and why? How did you come up with that, you know, solution or that plan? Or how did you come up with that? That's interesting. Um, can you tell me more about that? Can, let me tell you more about what I'm fasting about. So I think it's definitely a, a conversation is necessary. And mm. asking so, each other.
1: Right. Right. It's, it's like this, uh, it seems like this collaborative process of discerning as a community, um, not only does it like help bring clarity to, I guess, the dysfunctions and the burdens and such that we might be carrying, uh, but also it uh, sort of helps us to begin to not rely on ourselves totally, right? Because it's like, I feel like I can fall easily into the camp where it's sort of like my faith is like on me, kind of like putting that pressure on myself to make my faith happen or work or like you know follow God. It, it like it re- it's like it revolves around the things that I do or how I feel and like what's going on with me. But it's it that collaborative process of you know asking God um, to to sort of be in the middle of that conversation. With other people illuminates more and more so that you know like it's not it's not solely dependent on us and like because of, I guess because we fall into that trap it's it's what really causes that self reliance and you know takes us farther and farther apart from a relationship with the father,
0: yeah, and it's that isolation that really stunts growth as well, mm. People progress in their love and their clarity of who God is and God's feelings for them and God's heart for them and God's direction and path for them when they're part of a community. People thrive mm. in good community. So, yeah, it's a collaboration.
1: One of the things that did, did kind of strike me with this sermon is that, you know, um, Dysfunction just kind of seems normal for a lot of us, you know. It's just like maybe it it because it feels or appears normal. Some of the states that we're in, or some of the things that uh, are distracting us, or sort of uh, occupying our mental and emotional space, it it just seems like we're so in it um, that it's kind of hard to hear from god or hear otherwise about like the I don't know, again like i guess misfortune or unfortunate things that uh we come across you know and i guess like what like what do we as believers have to do to sort of like draw people out of that comfort and like you know i love that dr sammy talked about the allegory of the cave with plato because it's sort of like there is a sort of comfort nestled in the fact that we dwell in our own shadows You know, um, Mm -hmm. I guess like, I guess like the question is, like, how do you draw people to see ultimate reality and what's truly going on and discern that, you know, there's more at work than really meets the eye of our normal mundane routines and such like that?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of times the temptation is to stay in status quo or comfort, right, or convenience. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times the goal of becoming more like Christ, becoming closer to Christ um, and representing Christ gets replaced by um, like um, self-reliance, but also nor- like feeling normacy. I want to be like other people or I want to fit in with people or yeah. I want to be better than people. I want to be set apart so that I shine, I stand out. So it gets replaced by um, that agenda a lot of times. And mm-hmm. I think recognizing those things um, is kind of the key, I think. Where are the areas that's kind of drawn apart to accomplish something else when the goal is to... um be more like Christ you know to draw near Mm. to God so I think that's a good place to start
1: Mm. is it it also like sort of recognizing that oh I I guess the the way I to better phrase this question is that is it like distinguishing that we're not the hero of our stories you know because like you know as believers and as Christians Mm -hmm. uh, we we believe that Christ is the hero of our journeys and our, like, our stories that are in process and currently in the making. And so, but it's like, there's like, a lot of times you just can't help but feel that you're your own protagonist in, in some for in some form, shape, or way. Okay. Um, and so, and so like, how, what else is, is there that we can do to like sort of relinquish that, I guess, misconception and that those dysfunctional behaviors that come from just trying to be like, the hero of our own narratives, as opposed to like, you know, really making the space for the one that truly is the hero, because that is sort of the entire premise of this ultimate reality, right? That Jesus is the hero of our stories. Um, And and so I I guess I was the way I wanted to ask this question, because like, I, like maybe, maybe we are not recognizing that we're, we're carrying the burden of our small world by ourselves, trying to be the hero, you know?
0: Mm. um you know i think that's why community is important right because there are patterns that emerge when you're you are the protagonist of your own story and you could try doing that for short term or long term it there are always certain patterns and you know the teachings of christ it's very explicit right and it's it's very clear if you know the word and if you are in a place where you're receiving teaching. So, you may not know in the beginning as a believer that these are dysfunctional things or these are distortions right. by how one tries to survive or overcome life in um, trying to, I guess, be the protagonist of their own story, as you say, or the hero of their own story. But, surrounding yourself around people that care about you in the community um, who will lovingly speak up and help you when there are dysfunctions and distortions. I think that's really crucial because the thing is when you're in it, you don't really realize it, as you said. And mm-hmm. so um, like you like you kind of said, so how do we help others? Well I think we have to have the courage, um, to lovingly approach people when they're not well. And I say they're not well because, well, distortions really, in the even in the psychological world, distortions means that they're not well. They're thinking dysfunctionally that th- something is off, something is not wired, or something is not running as it should. Um, and so it, it needs attention. And I think mm-hmm. that as you know, this level of being brothers and sisters in Christ at this level of really understanding nuance and that we need, we're ingesting way more of this world than um, what we really need, which is to ingest and digest what Christ has for us. I think we have to become disciples of that help others become disciples. And we have to, um, speak up. We have to lovingly approach others and help people see in a loving way what's not okay when they're hurting themselves. I think um, there's a lot of talk now with activism about, you know, silence is, um, I don't know, siling is, silence is same as committing, right? Or mm-hmm. not acknowledging or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of that. But I think most importantly, Um, As brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to speak to each other in love about the things that are distorted, that this that are dysfunctional, that are hurting, Um, hurting them and hurting ourselves. So Mm. I think that's kind of how through community and and collaboration conversation. And I'm not talking about just consoling each other um, and. You know, this might sound harsh, but I think that in the church, there's a lot of, oh, I feel so bad for you. And that's good, sympathy. And then there's this deep empathy of falling into the person's hurt, which is good. Empathy is so essential, right? And
5: mm-hmm. it's
0: needed more so in the world than we have. And we can learn all of that. But we can't allow them to stay where they are. And I think that because we're so afraid in our own distortions to mess up a relationship, if we speak out about something that it might be offensive, that it might um, hurt them and make them reject us, that they might not Mm -hmm. like how it comes out. There are these distortions that play out in us in the fear of all sorts of dysfunctionalities that God's revealing in us. I think that, um, we end up just kind of consoling people and leaving them there and not really helping them by encouraging them. And I think that we often, even people who may see the distortions in others, not to say people who see it don't have distortions, but could fall into the trap of thinking that we are the heroes. And we often forget Mm -hmm. that Christ is the one who's trying to redeem, heal, and um, grow people, you know? So Mm. I think it goes hand in hand. It's not just one person needing the other, but you may need me now, but I may need you later. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like that, that you need me now. So I want you to need me now too, because I don't want to feel bad about myself that I'm in this rut. And I think there's a lot of that. I think if the church operates out of self-pity and everyone kind of maintaining a status quo, let's all do this together, but I don't want you you know, being in a better place than you, or think you're better than me or, you know, like it gets so, you know, like sibling rivalry stuff. It's it's Mm -hmm. like it never gets old. Like it appears everywhere and it happens with brothers and sisters in Christ. But I think all of that is addressed in the Lenten season that those places where people are trying to be the hero of their own story, be the hero and the Messiah and not the Messiah himself, coming in to a mm-hmm. solution to a conversation. Um I think it's so easy to fall into the, yeah. you know, pit of all things. And that's kind of like what the enemy does, though. He would like us to be in a place that's stuck and not progress as a body to help one another, to build one another, to become stronger in Christ and to mm-hmm. represent you know? So I think we're right at the conversation of war right there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was definitely going to lead into that because it seems like what I'm getting is that Lent is not only like a process by which we're holding each other accountable um, through like this through like in general, but also like, I guess fasting brings much more awareness of that accountability that we're really living our lives for the father um and it's like also self-accountability because this is like a commitment that we've made to make space for what god is doing but it's like like spiritual discernment is not just for us to figure things out for ourselves but it's like we we also have to try and be spiritual discern spiritually discerning of what's going on around us with like the body as well right it's like it is, it's like kind of like if, if we are looking at ourselves as like soldiers at war like someone has to cover our backs in the trenches, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. I think we have to think more as a unit succeeding. I mean, we won't all be like one another because God has made us so uniquely, but I think that we have to sing more as a unit to help one another because we're all allies. There's only one enemy. And in this war, we're trying to fight the enemy himself and trying to distract, to kill, steal, and destroy um, the process in us and the process in the world for from um, people coming to know Christ, right? And that's yeah. kind of why it's fasting for fullness. Fullness comes from John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come to give life to the full. Um, but before that, the, um, Jesus says that uh, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life to the full. So, our whole calling is about making space within um, and together so that others can see that Christ has come mm. and to fight as allies against the all the plans that the enemy has when it comes so that eyes and ears could see and know that Christ has come to save and for eyes and ears to understand that they need to be saved, just like mm. we also need needed to be saved. So I think, um, I think your point is exactly correct in that it's not just about ourselves getting through this, but it's really about the big story of being wrapped in the bigger story again. Fasting is about being reminded of the bigger story that the fullness is mm. not about us. It's not so that we're full only, but it is for the fullness of Christ, right? In us. Right. And how will that mm-hmm. manifest, you know, around us nationally, globally? So it's really about representation in the end. And representation is all about doing it well to the preciseness of whom we're representing. And that's the whole rep- wrap around, you know?
1: <laughs> right. It's right. always
0: about the bigger story.
1: Yeah, I think that's like a really good way to put things in perspective, because it's like, if we really think about it, all of us have one mission, but it's sort of like, making sure that we're all working together towards that mission is, is fundamental, because like, I think there's so many things that do tether us and like sort of chain us to the material world that really does not allow us to have the big picture in mind, sort of like what you were saying.
0: Yeah. I think it's always important to put into perspective because I Mm. think we always kind of see in part and we kind of miss the trees from the forest. And it's the gospel story is always reminding us of the bigger story, that it's not about us, that it's about the grander story. It's about being part of the grander story it's mm. about being part of a bigger plan and the plan for our lives is not where it ends but that has a connection to a bigger bigger story a bigger plan that God has for us that us being blessed us becoming more whole us becoming less dysfunctional is not for us only but it is to become a blessing to others mm. for the sake yeah. of representing Christ yeah, yeah.
1: um well, yeah, I mean, definitely, I feel like I am all for it, you know what I mean, like it's like as a believer and as someone that loves Christ and wants to love Christ well and love others well, it's sort of like of course, of course that was a bigger, bigger picture, and like that's something that we all agree on and try to live by so that you know we can witness like more flourishing more fullness um for everybody uh and and with that being said, I guess it's like as much as like we want to maintain that and focus, we have to acknowledge that there, there is enemy interference. Like you know, I I love that C.S. Lewis quote that we talk about in our church a lot because mm-hmm. being in enemy occupied territory is like not something that maybe we think twice about um, when it comes mm. to like such ordinary day to day things. And so like mm. um, I think one of the things I really wanted to like break down with you and talk about is like I guess like how do we Um, really like discern what enemy interference and attacks look like because you know like maybe it's not so apparent and maybe it's not so clear for everybody and especially for me I feel like there it's, it's hard to make that connection that like there is something hindering me that is like an element that's spiritual that I can't recognize or I'm unable to recognize and like which is so important why we have pastors and why we have community to sort of like facilitate an, a greater understanding of that. But I guess like I guess for believers, you know, how can we like know or like distinguish that this is an attack? Like, oh, like something is going on in in the spirit, in the spiritual world. And there's like spiritual activity. Like, how, how can we start to recognize those things and, you know, combat that uh, as believers?
0: You know i think that serendipity um i think sam has preached preached it like two years back you know serendipity of um kind of when kairos moment happens you know when from the mundane to when god moves and you're like whoa how did that happen like Mm -hmm. or you know that that visceral feeling but also it's a real thing where people feel like whoa I did not tell anyone about my journal entries and the pastor just spoke about the things that I was thinking about. And you kind of recognize sure. by chance, but by serendipity, we'll say that God sees me. He is encouraging me on this path to pursue him. He's encouraging me in this direction to um, follow through, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the same way, I think that spiritual things are also Because we live in a very like um, natural materialistic world where we usually the things that happen, like we cannot blame climate change, for example, on spiritual warfare, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that are scientific and then there are things Uh, that happen because, well, because of irresponsibility or lack of responsibility or over-responsibility. There are all these things that have reasons why they mm -hmm. happen. But once in a while, um, more often than not, I, I would say, there are things that happen where you just know that something is off and mm-hmm. there is almost like a like a doom or a looming darkness that comes with um, like a lingering darkness, you might say, if you were to really investigate or to really look mm-hmm. into it and it doesn't go away or it's a feeling of feeling discouragement. Of a certain direction. If it is a discouragement against uh, something good, I would say that is not the enemy. You know, that is yeah, just like yeah. you know, like given that those things are already in place, right? Understanding is already in place. Um, not to assume, but in this in this conversation right now. But if you're being discouraged specifically um, away from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. Who are trying, who are in this, who are allies with you, right? If there's a set of distrust that comes in where you feel you have to isolate, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: or feeling that you don't belong in the body of Christ, or feeling of lies that are actually like things that are not true, but you feel they are true about God. Mm-hmm. and it leads and it always leads like just like prophetic always leads in a direction of god's movement and mission enemy always has a plan he's not just trying to toy with people to so they have a bad day like he's a lot more sinister than that
4: mm-hmm.
0: when the enemy attacks it's for a reason so that it uh, it brings you to a certain place of elusiveness of some kind of detachment some kind of isolation
1: oh wow yeah that's
0: Yeah, that's why um, Peter says that um, your enemy is like a roaring, uh, is like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. And Mm -hmm. we all know from National Geographic and Planet Animal Planet that the you know the, the beautiful animals that get eaten are the ones that either have a weakness of some sort or are wandering about and are distracted and isolated. And when they're isolated, they become prey to the predator.
4: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, so we have, I think that um, it's good to kind of understand that the enemy always has a a much more sinister goal than the moods we feel each day.
1: Mm. Mm. And and it almost seems like a lot of those efforts are sort of like to regress us in our encouragement of our faith to to some respect because i feel like the, the distinction that you made that like as much as like lent for us is like a process by which we're untethering ourselves from the material world it seems like the enemy's plot is to untether us from god right like trying to yeah. isolate us away from the beautiful things that god is doing and like all the like wonderful Amazing, like Kairos moments, like you're describing that, you know, encourages us and like raises our faith. But it's like,
4: mm-hmm.
1: I, I guess, mm-hmm. like a a good point of reference or like a place to like start to know that we're under enemy attack is to like, it are those thoughts that say like oh, I'm because like for me it's like, man, I don't think I'm doing this right or like as much as like I'm I'm so encouraged to hear from you and people that like you know, I, I'm like, I guess my faith is growing and that, you know, you know, I'm growing. And that's like such a, such an amazing thing. There are like these pockets, inexplicable pockets of feeling like I can't do anything right. Or like, I don't think I can do this. Or like, I don't know if I'm cut out to like live for God or like live for something greater than just myself, you know? And, and like, I guess these are really good indicators for me and like, you know i th- I found it really resourceful that you shared in this way because it's like sometimes you just downplay those feelings as just you know mm-hmm. oh i it's me like I'm the problem or like i and it's like the self criticism that is isolating at the end of the day from like the great things that God is doing,
0: yeah exactly, just like we're um uh, we're trying to when we're trying to make effort to go in the direction Mm -hmm. of God in the mission and the movement of God the enemy, Mm -hmm. his attacks look like efforts to dismantle those efforts Mm -hmm. so that overall, I mean the enemy has no other job than to be envious of humanity that is able to be saved and are wonderfully and fearfully made in God's image so Mm -hmm. they're they're assigned in all sorts of ways and degrees and levels From just simplistic, oh, you're hungry, go to lunch. And that little space of time for reflection, no, let's take it over with lunch. You know, Mm. to, you know, like, this is getting really hard. Why don't you just give up and start over somewhere else? You know, suggestions or discouragements. Like, Mm. you're really not cut out to follow Christ. Maybe you should just kind of keep it where things are. Keep it mediocre, like who... Maybe that's the safest thing to do. Don't mm-hmm. progress. Don't pursue anymore. It's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. You know, all those things. Yeah. So his enemy's effort is, um, mm. for those reasons, to dismantle mm. slowly, gradually, um, but suddenly our efforts or our desires or our hunger, whatever level um, it may be, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with everything you just said. Um, just because it's like those are definitely some of those thoughts that come across, uh, me. I guess when I'm really in the thick of it, it's just like that total like unraveling of, I, I guess, like years of faith and like walking with Christ. Um, it just like gets incepted into our minds and then like you know before you know it it's like a a terrible week you know um and so like I guess like that sort of leads me to my next question is that like you know for believers that you know are in the thick of it and like are experiencing so much resistance right like it's just really hard to hear God amid all the attacks and like like I guess the bombardment of you know like discouraging thoughts about uh, ourselves in relation to what God is doing um, I, I guess do you have any, uh, any, any tips and like, I guess, insight on what, what can a believer do when they're in the middle of like the thick cloud of resistance that sometimes overtakes us?
0: Yeah, I think for one, you need to really step back and kind of um, come to um, like a, an assessment is this happening to me? Is this really happening to me um, every day? Or like, okay, I guess what I'm saying is an objective stepping back to realize what's happening, I think is important because um, especially if you're not part of a community, right? Like I would Mm say, there's so much to say about it, but you know, if you're not engaged into a community and if you're isolated, I would say the first thing you should do is go against your counter, uh, Go be counterintuitive to what you're feeling and yeah. get connected to the community. So like, let's say you've been missing um, Sunday messages, hearing God's word. If you've been missing, um, you know, your prayer group with your buddies or accountability group or... If you've been missing, I don't know, kind of canceling on your friends and, um, you know, times to reconnect and kind of just get reconnected. I would Mm -hmm. say stop doing that. (laughs) Like go against (laughs) your intuition. Oh, they don't really want me there. Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. the messages are like, I'm alone. They don't want me there. It doesn't matter. They won't miss me. Um, I got to get through this on my own. They won't understand me. No one will really understand, so why should I even bother? I don't want to be mm-hmm. a burden. Like I think these are things that people hear and it's a collection of people what people have told me over the years and it's a it's kind of it's it's common, but it is so specific sometimes that it's enough to take someone out, I think, of the mm-hmm. game. It's it's enough to discourage somebody. And yeah. because it comes not just in words, but it sounds so true in the moment. Um, so, yeah, if you're not connected to a community, I would go against the grain of your comfort and of mm. your feeling of sorrow even. And I would reconnect. Mm. And so I would do that. I would start with things that doesn't necessarily need human engagement, such as sermons. I would start listening mm. to messages um because truth is so important the bible says that when you know the truth truth will set you free also it says that when the truth gives us faith to grow in um acknowledgement who god is right and his movement Mm -hmm. so it also what it also does is it helps you align back to god and james says that um, um submit to god Resist the enemy and the enemy will flee from you. So you may not know that this is the enemy and you're not convinced yet. Well, and if you're listening to the podcast, feeling that way, or you've been feeling that way, I think that's great. I think more Mm -hmm. engagement to God's word and talking about and listening to um, teachings of God's word is one of the best things you can do. It's kind of like someone says, you know what, I'm going to fast and I'm going to be hungry and I'm going to fight this one out in hunger. But the the you your body needs to be replenished. And so listening to the word of God will begin to replenish you, you know, mm. so that you're not running on empty. And trust me, fighting the enemy on empty is really hard. Like a lot of people want to be like Jesus on the 40 day fast, but that was a very supernatural um, right. doing that. Like, you know, he was fully man, but he was fully God. And I know we know that he was tempted and all that, but. We know he went through the 40 day fast, but that I would not recommend that, you know, that you isolate yourself and do that. And clearly he was led by the spirit. And um, yeah, I say, I Mm. think the spirit is leading you to not be isolated, but to a community. So if you're disconnected, get connected through the word. And Mm. I say through the word because you know what? Sometimes people can't always like drop everything and come. And I think a Mm. lot of times in the church when people are hurting, that's kind of like the expectation. Like you didn't drop everything and and you didn't come for me when I needed you the most. But that kind of expectation, I think also unhealthy. And we have to kind of step back and assess is kind of what I was saying. Like you have to assess and recognize the resources that are plentiful, abundant around you to help you, you know, and take other other, um, steps, right? Dial a friend, call a friend, you know, and show up to a group um, that you've been missing. So blame is not the way to go when you're being attacked. Trust me. Like Sam talked about this. Sam and I used to fight so much and blaming each other and this and that. And we're just like, what are we fighting about? And then Mm. we were fighting about nothing. Any other day, we're just, we don't care. But we're just fighting about everything to the point where you're just like, wow, I really don't like this person. You know, and right, right. we get to that point and we would be like, wow, what is going on? And we realize, OK, there's always war to distract mm-hmm. and to create division and distrust before God's about to move. And a lot of times it's it was we were sure of that because Cairo's moments um, happened when people made space to go to these retreats. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would step back and assess the resources, assess yourself and um, start taking those steps into re-engaging into not just people, but first truth, the resources around you that are abundant and to the people, mm-hmm. to groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole blaming is the tactic the enemy uses. So I would actually, my I guess my second point would be, so let's say you are engaged and you are listening to the word, but you are still being attacked and it's not, not, your attack is not necessarily coming from the absence of the word or absence Mm -hmm. of being part of a community, but even then you are um, experiencing attacks, which it happens to everyone. Like, I don't want to say it's like either or. Um, I would, you know what? This might sound really, I don't know. This might sound silly, but I would go against what you believe is true in the moment. All the lies you're hearing, I would actually counter attack against them by believing the opposite. Um, because when you kind of catch a pattern, it's so easy to fall into like a self-pity mode and blaming mode, self-blaming mode. And I, I feel like the enemy loves to operate in self-pity mode of people where you just feel like, you feel like the loser, you feel like you're left out, you feel like you're being um, left behind, you feel like the weird one, like, you know, those things that your friends are not telling you, like, it's good to mm-hmm. listen if your friends are telling you that, because then that's good, you know, because they're giving you feedback about something. But if the enemy is saying those things to you and you're feeling discouraged, in uh, you know, by those things, but right now you don't know it's the enemy and it's just in your head. Um, I would go against those things and believe and begin to declare what is actually true, Mm. that you are loved, that you are his beloved, that um, before you were able to do anything, that God took pleasure in you, that he loves you. he He was pleased with you and that everything else is about following him and that, it's a journey and it's hard, but I don't think that we, sh- that the whole trap of self pity, like, and, um, blaming Well, they weren't there for me, like sometimes we have fights in our minds with people that are not actually there yeah. and we start blaming and we start hating ourselves and hating other people. And by the time we come out of the room and no one was there fighting with us, we already decided what, how we're going to live our life. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly kind of like a direction turning um, thing that the enemy does like one at a time, he will kind of distort the truth. And so that one thing at a time, it bring, it kind of breaks down the bridges that, um, that have been built over time in Christ, Mm -hmm. like walking with Christ, you know? So, and so I would go against the grain of what you're feeling. And I would submit to God in that way and resist the enemy in that way and start to believe in truth. Like I would even suggest, you know, last week, Dr. Calvin Brown, um, a friend of Sam's, gave a really powerful message about Mm. being God's beloved, you know. And I would write down all those things or write down the lyrics of the song you say. You know, you say Mm. that I am loved when I don't feel a thing. Like those things. I would have a package, a first aid kit. You know, it's a first aid kit because it's like the first thing that you can do before someone arrives at your need. Right. It's like I yeah. would have a first aid kit prepared. And right. in case of emergency. Will yeah. Because the power you're breaking, it's supernatural. And it's not like you want it to stop raining and it won't stop raining when you wish that when you pray to God. No, spiritual powers break and begin to diminish in the name of Jesus. And that's why I think we have to take the offense and declare um, the truth of God in those moments, which is really counterintuitive. It feels counterintuitive. But I feel like a lot of people are in bondage because they've been doing what feels intuitive to them all their lives. And that intuition has not been aligned to God or to to light. It has all been about self-preservation and fear and doing and keeping things safe and not really experiencing life not really experiencing relationship intimacy with people with god so if you listen to that intuition all of your life and tone things down whenever you um you become afraid or get attacked what happens Mm -hmm. is that's kind of how the steps five steps backwards happen when you wanted to take one step back and because you you're not prepared or you don't have the muscles you end up falling backwards you know four steps right. like that and now you're always playing catch up so that itself always feels a, like a discouragement also so why mm. not have i know this sounds really proactive but you know what people who are proactive um people who live by the word of god really overcome so right. these are not suggestions but these are teachings of the word you know so I would have a first aid kit of the truth of God for when you get attacked. Cause a lot of times Mm. the enemy attacks in similar patterns of the things. Like he kind of knows the, um, the, the weaknesses that we have, because he knows he kind of has an idea of our story. So he will try to slow down the process of anything flourishing, you know? So have a first aid kit. And, Really practice going against the grain of how you feel when you're attacked and, you know, I guess rise up with faith like that tool right there. The first seed kid will raise faith for you. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, don't be afraid to expose that you struggled and share with others so that um, not only so that they could be there for you again, but there's so much power When you confess your sin or when you confess your weakness or when you confess the things you struggled with in darkness, um, the Bible says that you will be healed. So whatever distortions um, in your mental capacity or, you know, in the spiritual, it's a very, I think it's a very thin line. You know, you can't even really put your finger on on it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. God will bring healing to the things, to the lies that weighed you down and that has power over you. And mm. it will bring um, healing that way, so go against the grain of the attack or the direction of the attack and do the opposite
1: hmm well wow. I th- that was well thank you for breaking it down in a way that I can understand you know because it's like I, I I love that you know uh, I, I guess like you you I would not think twice sometimes about like how how we can go about sort of the these really low lows that we might be experiencing and trying to make sense of these things but it's like i feel like you really gave us sort of the blueprints of what spiritual discernment can look like because it's like what i'm really getting out of this conversation is that truth and discernment go hand in hand in that Mm -hmm. like the truth of us reminding Mm -hmm ourselves and others of how god really Mm -hmm. sees us and like what god truly thinks about the uh, sons and daughters that he loves um are are sort of the ways we can like discern between like what are our i love that you also like talked about how we got to kind of be counterintuitive about the way we normally go about things because it's like Mm -hmm. we get wrapped up in our own human intuition as opposed to like really tapping into like oh like, a holy intuition of, like, (laughs) what God is, like, really doing, (laughs) haha, yeah, (laughs) I thought that was a good one, too, (laughs) Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like with the, with this, like, being equipped with, like, an understanding of who God really is, and, like, how God sees us, and what God is doing, you know, really underneath the layers of what, what is just kind of, like, gas in our lives, like, just, like, stuff that is, like fogging up our minds and our hearts is like is like kind of like the basics of discern like beginning to have an awareness and be able to discern truth from just like our human reality at the end of the day
0: Mm -hmm. and i would say that lastly trust in the lord with all your heart lean not in your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we think offensively and we go, well, I did all of that. Is there anything else I can do? Well, we do all of those things because we trust in the one who is in control. And I think Mm -hmm. trust is something we can practice. So it's kind of like you are, you have taken shelter in a storm. You have, you have, embrace truth you're going against the grain of the attack and uh, Mm -hmm. your own intuition of of your whole life of your own negative moments that and i think that people probably could identify like yeah i always do that actually never thought about doing that like Mm -hmm. as people hear things i think these realizations come because god is already kind of like through truth flipping people flipping the way people think about things right so healing already happens to um You know, through the teaching of the word and hearing the preaching of the word, but and then you stay put, you stand your ground. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like yes, you put on the floor of God, and but you stand your ground and you put your trust in Him. Mm. And I'm telling you, the war is not forever, and war is not all the time. There is reprieve that comes. Mm. So sometimes. War might feel like an earthquake. You're just feeling like everything is shaking around you and you're holding on and you've taken shelter in the best way that you could, you know, in righteousness. Mm-hmm. You have held on and you are trusting the Lord. But you're kind of just wondering when the when it will stop shaking. But yeah. earthquakes also don't last forever. They they stop, right? Right. And the same in the same way, even hardships have a way of passing. And warfare has a way of passing. And when Mm -hmm. you put your trust in the Lord, it's like hanging on to the strongest rope of heaven until war is like no more. Mm
4: -hmm. And
0: I'm telling you, when you trust the Lord with all of your heart, lean not in your own understanding and flip out and do everything into, you know, like your intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but acknowledge him and call on him and declare his truth to yourself and to and who he is and use the name of Jesus and declare the name of Jesus right when you yeah. acknowledge him he will make your path straight and Bible promises that he will never put to shame those put who put their trust in him and again you are part of a greater story so mm-hmm. I think trusting in his plans and trusting in in his ways is one of the best things you can do offensively but it's also very like it's a very i don't know you know it's like such a strong thing you can do even though you feel like you're just remaining still Mm -hmm. you know you're holding on but it is like the most powerful thing you can do Mm -hmm. because you're not just letting time pass although it is because war has to do with time like war happens over time and it stops right And because we live in this time, like sometimes five minutes feels hard, but like a day, two days, like or a period of time, it it feels so hard. Like it feels like forever, but that forever is a lie. It's a lie of the enemy. It will pass. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: So trust in the Lord and he will deliver you. That's the promise. He will make your path straight.
1: Amen. Amen. I mean... That, well, I, I did have a final question that I feel like pretty much answered it because the question I was going <laughs> to ask was like, you know, how how do we grow in reliance and on, on God? You know, especially during, not just this Lent season, but I think the Lent season represents like a period of time like you're describing by which we can actively uh, pursue after what God is doing and, you know, really trying to, give ourselves the opportunity and the space to rely on God. But it's like, I think you're right that at the end of the day, it's like when we trust in the father, that is the means by which we grow in reliance to God. Cause that truth is what is nur- like nurturing us and nourishing us for um, our growth and our flourishing. And so that we can better represent and live our lives for God. Like, like we want to, you know, I think, you're absolutely right. That desire is sort of stoked when we know that um, God is with us and that we can depend on God uh, for any and all circumstance that might befall us.
0: Yeah. I think we live in a world where we want everything given to us instantly. You know, instant gratification is... I remember one Lenten season I fasted instant gratification. I Hmm. really felt convicted. I think it was like, I don't know, almost... 15 years ago was it and instant gratification was really hard like at the time this is before iphones and i remember it was like if i felt like having a snack i would have a snack before but when i was Mm -hmm. in the fast i couldn't have the snack just because i felt like it you know what i mean
4: yeah Like
0: i had to skip that snack because well it was instantly gratifying and that was what i was testing (laughs) but now there's so much more other stuff. But I think because we're so used to all these things, um, you know, at the push of a button, you know, you click and there's your food delivery, there's your drink delivery, you know, like Mm -hmm. so many things happen at the press of a finger or just by, uh, you know, it's so accessible to us now that it's not just what we struggle with, but there is an expectation that good things should be, offered given to us instantly Mm -hmm. and when things don't happen that are good right away we think something's wrong and i think there's that i'm pretty sure there's a different different layer of anxiety that has or anxiety threshold, like that has changed over probably even like the last 10 years but Mm because we've as human beings have always struggled with that but now even more so you know, like, I remember, like, Josh, like, he would get really, you know, scared if something didn't happen right away. He thought, I don't get it. Like, why didn't it happen? Oh, well, Josh, it has to come through the mail. Oh, really? But I pressed it right here. You said you could get it now. You know, like, things like that. Yeah. So I think there's a loss of understanding that certain things take time. And in the same way, when we're not delivered in the time that... Um, that we have expectations about or when people don't show up in our expectation or people don't do things in our expectation, it kind of brings this, it helps the cycle of the enemy. You know, It's not about human weakness only at this point. I think enemy will play the blame game, self-pity game, um, the division game. But I think why we have to trust God and his promises and his words in a world where everything feels like it has to happen so fast. um, Mm. It's so Mm. crucial because God does not work in digital time. Mm. He does not work in our convenience or to comfort us or to console us in our discomfort of not having it right now. He's looking to give us fullness. You know, like we want, everything in between junk, you know, and get full. And But God is really preparing the actual really good meal that will really nourish us and give us purpose and sustenance for so much more than the meal itself, right? So
4: mm-hmm.
0: I think we have to trust God in that capacity, not of our capacity, not of the world capacity and how things run. But we have to trust God. He's not going to bend to our will and bend to our discomfort but because he has the he has the view of all things and is working everything out and he always works everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose so I think we have to trust him and he will always always be faithful so i think um on top of trusting the lord with all of your heart and i say this because i know that i think mostly we struggle with impatience like I trusted mm. but it's not getting better you know All right. well I think we have to trust the process and we have to trust his timing God is always on time mm. and his process is always so wise and what he provides us when we turn to him and trust him is so good it's so comprehensive and um So I think that when we trust, don't don't get disheartened, but trust him, not just in warfare to pass or war to pass, but whatever it may be. I think the enemy is fighting, even if we don't feel the looming darkness, but we just feel like I just want to do this my way. I think I think we need to wait on the Lord and we have to trust that following him is not in vain and that it is really the only path and the right path, and that it is really the path of blessing and blessing others. So Mm -hmm. there's so much more, um, you know, ahead than Mm -hmm. I think we want and imagine in the moment. So trust Him, and trust in His timing, and trust in His process.
1: Mm, Amen. I think uh, that is also uh an element of discernment that is sort of hard to recognize is also the trusting in god's time uh which is a really great reminder um and such an encouraging word to you know be reminded of the fact that you know god is at work and he's at work in his time and maybe things don't necessarily seem to make total sense or like maybe things are just like you said, not going in the ways of our expectations, but you know, to discern the expectations of God and aligning ourselves to that, um, you know, I, you know it it is even more of a way that we can rely on the Father and you know build that trust. and I think that's that's a process that I want to you know be better at and develop and grow because you know it's sort of like, when we are trying to do and handle everything on our own, it's kind of hard to trust others with our lives and trust that you know uh, our or to feel that we are losing control in place of trusting others with our lives and trusting God with our lives might be you know a, a source of friction, but you know I think growing in that dependence on the Father uh, is is a really cool thing I like, want to see for myself during this Lent season. And I really hope that um, our listeners and the people who are following after Christ um, and the people that are seeking Christ can also uh, learn, all right? Like, it's that that's one of the things that we grow to learn is to trust in the Father with all things, with all, like, sectors of our lives. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Lydia. Uh, and, you know, I personally am out of, the burning question is about spiritual discernment now, and I know that it's going to be an ongoing conversation because there's always more to learn about um, how the spirit works and like what's really going on outside of our lives. Um, but at this time, I just kind of wanted to ask if there's anything else you want to share with us, our listeners who are tuning into this uh, broadcast.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing that comes to me is You have to ask about war, right? Like, what does trust have to do with war? It's really the encompassing, overarching theme to trust God and to trust him in this journey, right? You have Mm -hmm. to ask, why is this war happening? You know? And like we said before, enemy is trying to dismantle, ultimately, our trust and reliance in God. So the most effective weapon against it, in the name of Jesus, is to rely and to trust in God. So, mm. so when you, so I would say, when you get uh, discouraged and when you get attacked, be encouraged and um, press on.
1: <laughs> mm. That's all and for today, <laughs> and that is all for today. And we're in this together. And um, I pray that Lent is. Powerful you know i I really love that Dr. Sammy talked about like sourcing uh spiritual authority from where it is really seeded from you know and um for our listeners and those who have been following along uh you know doing Lent together I hope that it's a very powerful period of time for us to really learn uh how to rely on God and I'm excited for the future conversations we're gonna have um leading up to Easter and yeah, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, supporting our podcast, and we encourage everybody to share uh, this podcast and the message with uh, your friends, your family that are also on this journey with us together. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. We'll be here next week as well. And I think as a reminder as well, we are having a day in the sun, March 21st, if you're in the New York area, um, with more details to follow regarding that if you follow us on our social media pages as well. So March twenty first is Day in the Sun, and we look forward to seeing a lot of our community there. And um yeah, uh, uh God bless and um we'll be here next time. Thank you so much.
4: Holy Spirit guide my vision help me see ever Jesus Christ in all is Christ in me Holy Spirit God my speaking words of grace and truth abound let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found your
2: for the benediction and welcome the spirit the living spirit to tear open our bubbles so that we can become the light and the healing the world needs in christ may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and forevermore all god's people say amen love you guys miss you see you soon
5: My name is Stu still i'm a member here at 180 church and we want to thank you all for joining us for today's sunday service before we finish up today we have some community news that we just want to share with everyone starting with tithes and offering for all of our members we just want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep god at the center of your finances by tithing faithfully you can make your offering through venmo at church 180 you can make an offering through chase QuickPay pay at offering at 180church.tv or if you'd like to make your offering through PayPal, you can follow the link on our website at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline, which you can find at 5397-PRAYER or at prayer at 180church.tv. And this is a great resource for those moments when we feel like we need some support and some prayer, not only for ourselves, but for our family members, our coworkers, and all of our loved ones. Our prayer team is there, ready, willing, and able to lift up your prayers. So just send them along. Again, it's 5397PRAYER or prayer at 180church.tv. And when you feel like God has moved in those areas, make sure you send them a praise request as well so that we can all celebrate what God is doing in your life. Our next announcement is about small group, which is smaller pockets of our community where we come together to discuss the Sunday sermon, to really see and encourage each other where God is leading us, and to really just do life together with one another. Because even though we're still social distancing, community is still a vital part of our lives and this is a great place where you can find that. All of our groups are meeting virtually right now, so no matter what group and what stage of life you're in or where you are located, we have a group that would be perfect for you. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com.
0: On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged.
5: We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Posted by Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu. It features an in-depth conversation on Sunday Sermon where they share their insights on the message and where the message is helping us in our journey with Christ. Next we have the virtual 180 Cafe on Discord, which is a great way for all of us here to keep in touch with one another. There you can share what's going on in your life and join a conversation about gardening and gaming, about sports and entertainment basically anything that you can think of. It's a great way for all of us to stay in touch with one another, both on your computer and on your mobile device. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.